Welcome to Archery Country Podcast. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Archery Country Podcast. This is your host, Wade Grinegar, as we are sitting in the Rogers studio. I know that's a reoccurring, sounds like a broken record, but we are. We're here. This is our home. And we are set up for another awesome podcast that is hitting. We're actually just a little bit behind schedule on this release, but if you're not using trail cameras or any kind of game cameras, as soon as this podcast is done, you're probably going to come in the shop and get hooked up because we are talking to a gentleman, very special guest by the name of Dan Schultz. He's the VP of sales and marketing for Cuddyback Cameras. How you doing, Dan? Doing great. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. And I have Mr. The Big Jason Bollich from Brainerd on the line. How's it going, guys? Good. Good. Love this. <clears throat> okay. Here's this here's the situation. It's July twentieth. A lot of guys are already starting to share some trail cameras, some bucks and velvet. <clears throat> We're gonna give you a lowdown with one of the coolest systems in the business, and I can say that very confidently. I've been running them for three years. <clears throat> I think Jason, you've been longer than that. Nope. Three? Yep. Okay. Hence how long we've had them in the store. But it's a system that's in a system. It can be an individual camera, it can be a cell camera, it can be a, a cutty link system. But before we dive into that, Dan, you've been with the company a long time. The company has been, uh, I believe, the oldest still active trail camera company in the world. Am I correct? That is correct. Uh, Mark Cuddyback started the, uh, jumped into the trail camera business in 1989. And uh, albeit there were some others that jumped in around the same time. So we can't say necessarily were the first because there was multiples that kind of jumped into the market. Uh, we're the only one out of that group that has lasted until now. So for sure, the longest standing uh, trail camera company. Which is something to be said when we talk about pictures. Obviously, we want quality. When we want equipment to last a long time, quality. Because it is an investment. Um, <clears throat> you can go out and get cheaper cameras, by all means, Brand X. But in the long run, you're going to spend the same kind of money replacing that, replacing batteries, replacing, you know, or paying for extra cell plans, so on and so forth. I like this system because it utilized my, this is my two cents on trail cameras. Back in the day, people would say, you put them out, you let them soak, two weeks, you go back, pull a card, two weeks, pull a card. And we all know that you get into that end of October 19th area till November. I never even asked where you're from, Dan. I know, but you guys are yeah i'm from uh we're over in green bay wisconsin so uh just up in the uh you know close to the lambeau stadium there so it's safe to say that you're uh green and yellow <laughs> yeah i think it would be illegal to be this close to uh <laughs> to that location and not go packers gotta watch the packers uh so back to that you don't have to worry about going back to your cameras you, uh, I'm talking about the cell or even having a home if you didn't want to have a cell network. I think the revolutionary idea behind trail cameras is now we can actually <clears throat> pursue an animal without sitting in a stand. Does that make sense? What do you guys think? Yeah, it definitely gives you the option to keep tabs on everything and watch. Yeah, I mean, there, there's, there's no doubt. Yeah, there's no doubt that uh, the Cellular technology has allowed people to stay connected to their to their property, right? So not only from uh, monitoring the game that's on their property, but uh, if people are on their property, you know, uh, so that you know whether it's a trespasser or maybe it's somebody from the gas company or whatever, right? So I think that whole um, and it's not just hunters, right? There's a lot of people that are using cameras to uh, to just monitor wildlife because they enjoy connecting the wildlife. So you got a whole slew of folks that uh, are finding that that's convenient and, and pretty fun. And I think like you're saying <clears throat> other stuff, security, I'll give you one little lay down. We have a farm that uh, we call it the K farm. It's about eight miles from our home farm. And my youngest brother, he pastures cattle out there, but there's nobody around. Right. 
And uh, we had our camera set up for every three hours, and all of a sudden I got a big picture of a black Angus cow's butt, and then pretty soon the whole herd went by. I just picked up the phone and texted him and said, dude, your cows are out. And we saved a little corn out of the deal. But it can be more than just your whitetail animal. If you're out west, you can utilize these if you read your regulations and the states provide that opportunity. Um, it's more than just whitetails. I know guys that are using them for bear, you know, when you're baiting and, and you can size up an animal before you pursue it. <clears throat> and then, you know, uh, the neighbor has one just in the backyard. I don't know how many squirrels and rabbits and deer that he gets in on that, but he enjoys it. Like, he almost, you know, we use the analogy waking up on Christmas morning. When I wake up, the first thing I do, and you know where I'm doing it, yep. is looking at my camera or looking yep. at my, <laughs> my emails and my texts. It's the morning ritual. Open up the email, look through the pictures, see what you had the night before. <clears throat> Have you seen, Dan, in the history of Cuddy Bag? Obviously, you've had great products forever, uh, great media team, great advertisement on that. The quality of the pictures, <clears throat> have they gotten better? We talk about megapixels. Give us a little line and cite what you guys have done just in the, even the past four or five years with your different series on the quality of pictures. Yeah, you know, the camera technology obviously has uh, transitioned. You know, it, it, this is truly an electronic piece of gear, right? Just like a TV or you know, and, and sometimes people have to wrap their mind around that because they're used to thinking about maybe buying a gun that lasts for, you know, 25 years or, you know, more. And in this scenario, you're constantly looking at all the new electronic components that are coming out that maybe are really in a different industry. Maybe it's the phone industry, right? Because especially with the cellular stuff, they're continuing to look at the modems and the SIM cards and ways to improve those, but they also are looking at the sensors and the flash technologies and all the things that go into them. So, uh, you know, no doubt we're continuing to, uh, to do that and to maximize the megapixels available to try to transfer as much data as possible. It's gotten to be uh, a little interesting over the last few years because when we start talking about cellular transmission, now we're using data, right? Like a phone would use data. And so we have to try to maximize the image quality but minimize the file size in an effort to not use up people's data too much, right? That, that stuff gets expensive, as we all know, based on our cell phone bills. And so uh, it's a delicate balance, and we continue to look at that year over year to try to figure out how can we... Um, shrink the file, but yet can't keep as much detail as possible. And I think the world is understanding that the timeliness of the data is taking on a, a significant factor in their decision-making. Maybe picture quality's dropped down a little, but that's only because you still got to hit like a certain threshold. Otherwise it's going to be a problem. Right. And <clears throat> when we're talking about cameras, one of the unique things that Cuddy back, I believe, is, how long has the, the Cuddy Link system been with us? I believe we're in our uh, fifth year here. Uh, you know, we went uh, originally where the idea was that the home camera would collect the images from the remote cameras and the user would pull the single SD card. So instead of having to walk through the whole property to get all the images, they could now just walk to one more conveniently located camera that wasn't as obtrusive, pull the, pull the card and get the images. Uh, three and a half years ago, we brought out the cell unit, and that obviously really changed the game, right? Because now we can have our system go ahead and send us a picture. So we truly can stay out of the area. We don't educate the deer, um, you know, and that's a critical factor that, you know, if, if you're trying to hunt, a mature animal, I mean, they, they are smart. They're old for a reason, and uh, you're going to need some help in trying to figure out a game plan on how you're going to attack hunting that animal. Absolutely, and I want to put this out right off. I just want to get it out of the way. If you're an individual who is going to purchase this system thinking that it's another set of hunting eyes when you're hunting, <clears throat> one, I'm going to kick you square in the ass. <clears throat> and two, that's not the idea. We're not having a camera set around the bend where you can't see, but it can see, and it, it 
send you a picture simultaneously within five seconds to let you know a deer is coming. That is not the idea. And I, I your guys' core belief, I, I believe we're on the same page. And correct me if I'm wrong, Dan. This is no, a absolutely. monitoring system. Yeah, absolutely. This is one that, uh, you know, we get a lot of feedback on social media, right? And, uh, and uh, there's not very many times where I'll um, be a little short, but the one topic that I don't care for is this whole thing that, hey, I want the deer to, I want the camera to send me a picture when the deer is coming behind me over my right shoulder so I know to get ready and shoot the animal. I'm like, no, we're not, that's not what this is about. This is not about taking a picture and you run from one stand to the other to go try and kill the deer or anything. This is not, you know, this is, you, if, if that's why you're hunting, you're missing the point, right? Mm-hmm. So you, you need to have that excitement. This is to help. It's a tool to try to give you a little more intel on maybe building a strategy on how you're going to go after that animal. But we have way, way too much respect for those animals to, uh, to, to try and say, hey, this is, this is going to give you instantaneous feedback to get ready. I mean, at that point, why not just have the camera shoot the deer for you, right? right. So, um, you know, if, you're, if this doesn't get your heart pumping and, you know, you don't have the ability to celebrate with friends and, and do it <laughs> like that, then, man, you're missing out on all the right reasons why you should be out there. Exactly. And we just, we wanted to put that, that's a footprint. We believe in it. We're hunters. We're outdoorsmen. And we're... We're ethically talking, okay? That's not what this system is about. Now, now that that's gone and we're done, the link system, Cuddy back, Cuddy link. The biggest thing that turned me on to this, I have two farms that as a family we own and we run. They're separate. I wanted to not have, I wanted the cell camera obviously in, intrigued me. I didn't want to have to pay Nine ninety nine or fifteen ninety nine or thirty nine ninety nine for that camera, and then a different camera over here and a different camera over here. What intrigued me is I can pay one monthly payment, my cellular home, and then I can link up to now it's twenty four individual cameras that will send it to the home unit, and the home unit then will email or text it to me. Talk a little bit about your design on that philosophy. Obviously, <clears throat> you guys work very, very hard and a lot of smarter people than I am. That And that's the only system, am I correct? Uh, yeah, there's a couple of guys that have come around the fringe of it, um, but they're not working in the same capacity. And, you know, obviously we do have patents. And so, you know, if they step too close to what we're doing, then it's going to be a problem. Um, but yeah, the whole concept here is that, you know, as I said, when we first came out with the Cuddy Link solution, the idea was to how do we avoid going to these cameras? You know, some people like maybe want to put a camera in a bedding area or whatever, you know, somewhere, maybe it's across the river, which is a real hassle to get to. And it's just not practical, nor is it um, smart from a hunting perspective to be in those places edu- educating those deer. And so, you know, the concept was to move these files and we're using a radio frequency network to do that. And, you know, then when the advent of cellular technology came out, it married up perfectly because now we can use the radio network to send these images back to this home camera. And then this home camera can now transmit those images to the end user. So, you know, as you pointed out, if I have the competition and I have 10 cameras, that I'm going to have 10 cell plans and that can start to get expensive, obviously. Um, and so the idea here is that, you know, we offer uh, multiple plans to account for the number of cameras and images that that user may, may have, but there is a limit on how much it's going to cost. And that's what we're trying to do is to keep the cost of using the cellular solution affordable, but yet giving them that intel. And, uh, you know, not only does it, stay affordable, but the other benefit is that a lot of the properties that we all hunt tend to not have perfect cell service. And so in this scenario, we can have the remote cameras uh, connected to the home. They don't have to have cellular connectivity. They can be down in a draw where there is zero cell service. They could be in a cedar swamp where there's zero cell service. But they're going to use the Cuddy Link network to send back to the home so that I'm still getting all the pictures 
from my entire property. I know what's going on and what's happening and can stay abreast of the, the deer movement at that point. Could we talk about uh, the difference between your home remote and repeater settings on the cameras? Obviously your cells, your home, but how about the repeater feature and the remote feature on your other cameras? Yeah, so when you uh, when you have the cellular solution, it has to be the home. Um, if you were a person that lives on the property and you just want to pull a single card, like the traditional how we started with Cuddy Link, then any any camera can actually be the home. Um, it's just a setting in the Cuddy Link menu of the camera, and you can pick either remote, home, or repeater. So if they pick home, then that camera is going to be the designated home that collects the images. If it's a remote, then that's just the camera that's out there uh, connected to either the home or to the cell home. And in that scenario, the cameras uh, not only send it back to the home, but they also can connect to each other. So, you know, when you can extend further away from the home, now a camera, can, if it figures out, hey, I can't talk to the home, it will identify that I can talk to this other camera, though, and I'll take pictures, I'll send it to that camera, and then that camera can send all the pictures home. Uh, when we get into a repeater, uh, that we actually make a device uh, that is a repeater, or you can use a camera as a repeater. So let's say that we've got two chunks that we're trying to connect, two, trunk, two chunks of timber, and in between is a field with no food, and there's not really any cover, and it's just not likely that a deer is uh, passing through there. Uh, not to say they never would, but, you know, very sporadically, if at all. And at that point, you could use a repeater just to jump the signal from those two chunks. And then by having it on a repeater, you're, you're not using, um, you know, as much battery power. You're not doing a lot with that device. There's less chance for issues, right? Because all it's doing is just sending images along, just doing that. Now, you know, in most cases, I would say, most guys are like, hey, one more camera is cool because, you know, more is better kind of mentality. But the reality is that uh, we do offer a couple different ways guys can set up their network to expand the coverage on the property. And it brings up a great point uh, with that analogy behind it. There's some individuals, we, we always, in, we in Minnesota here, when we talk north, we say 218 area code or further uh, or uh, north of Highway 10. There are some situations up there where cell service sucks. It's just that that's what it is. Verizon or AT&T, whoever you're running. If you're down in a hauler or way back on a, <clears throat> you know, Tamarack Slough or wherever you're at, you know that you don't have but one bar. In a link system, you can actually run, you don't have to run your home there. Like I use a wheel system when I say it, but you can actually link these quarter mile at a time through and and i'll have you talk a little bit about that as far as range it, it can go up to a mile if you have a clear setup Rightly, right now we talk about having heavy foliage even though we're drier than a popcorn fart there's leaves out there there's grass that's eight foot tall it's it is, it is. but what i'm getting at is you can have your home out at the road or at your cabin or or taking pictures in the back of something where you do have cell service but yet you can link a system out to the back 400 somehow and get your pictures, even if you don't have cell service there. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's one of the, I would say, biggest benefits of the Cuddy Link system. Uh, you know, the, the nice thing is the cell camera has two external antennas, so it tends to have better cell service than your phones anyway. Um, but, you know, the reality is that that's the only device that we have to get connected to the network. And on most properties, there's somewhere where they can find some degree of cell service, whether it's a little bit higher point on the property, whether it's a little bit more open point in the property. Um, you know, there's, there's almost always, it's very rare that we can't find anywhere. And at that point, as long as I can get that home camera connected, now I can go to work on building my my remote network um, and utilize, you know, the camera to camera range, the fact that they can extend paths to talk to one another. And I've not seen a property that we can't address. Now, you know, for a guy that's going out on a flat property, yeah, that's easier. Or if he's got some open pockets and some timber, 
you know, generally that setup is easier. Um, if I'm in a up and down, I've got a fair amount of hilly terrain. Yep, it's a little bit more work, but at the end of the day, it's certainly doable. You just have to follow some of the basic principles that we have in the system, which is checking the connectivity from camera to camera. And as long as the user does that, they're going to be able to get those pictures. And one thing that's that can be daunting, um, individuals, I'll, I'll just say it out front. If you can set up a Facebook account or an email account or an Instagram account, you're more than capable to set up a Cuddy Link system. Yep. You have to have an account with Cuddy Bag. That's where you're going to take care of your plans. Um, right now, you can do it online. I heard rumor, air quotes, that there's an app coming. <clears throat> Am I correct, Dan? Yes, there is. Yep. Uh, I would imagine we've, we've been in testing for the last few months. The Android version came first. We are working our way through the Apple version. Uh, I would say we're close. Uh, I'm hoping we'll make it here in July, and I think that that looks probably pretty reasonable based on what I'm seeing and, you know, just be another way that people can interact with the system. You know, that's our goal here is that if you're someone that likes to get the pictures by email, then you can do that. If you're someone that likes to get the pictures by a text message, you can do that. If you're someone that likes to be on a computer and be attached online, you can do that. And now you'll have the app as a, as another option. So we're not going to dictate to anyone how they can interact with our system. We'll just try and give them as many tools as possible. And like we were saying, and Jason, you can chime in in here. It's very, very easy. You're kind of a techie guy. Uh, you set up your account on Cuddyback's website. <clears throat> you have that. You sync and run in your home, the cell camera. And then basically, one of the easiest things I do, we can talk people through it here in the shop. We can get them out. We can power them up. We can show them. Cuddyback has one of the coolest little YouTube videos out in the field. I don't know who that gentleman was, but kudos to you guys. Genius idea. I'll just share a link. The cool thing about it, you can push pause. Open up, run your camera, set the settings you want, push play, go to the next one. So when you set up your home, then you move to your remotes. If you're going to have a repeater like Jason and Dan were talking about, <clears throat> it basically a minute, two minutes, once you do it once or twice. Yeah. And there's a lot of, there's a lot of videos there's, and also you can get on Cuddyback's website and they'll walk you through it or you can open up the back of the package and it's all literally right there. Usually, it's not, it's nothing to be scared of. Usually I, I just cards, batteries, I'll set up their whole system for them and then, then I'll show them place your home. I'll usually talk to them a little bit about their property. I tell them place your cell home, pick your next camera up go mode over to arm push down a couple times gives you your uh your your link mm -hmm. power <clears throat> connectivity and then while you leave that up while you're going to place your next camera you can look all right it's at 39 it's at 49 and you're talking about level yep your yep. link level link level and then as you're placing your cameras just keep watching that link level as you're going and then you know all your cameras are within range. And I'm not afraid to tell people I have cameras that are consistently <clears throat> down in the low 12 to 10. And they still connect. They still send pictures. Don't worry if it's low. They still right. work. I mean, ideally, you'd want to be better. But if, if I it's think what it, you got to do, right. they I will connect. Dan, right, we, we try to say below 20 is pretty low. Um, we want to be in that 20 to obviously if they're next to each other, 99 is awesome, but it will tell you excellent, good, poor on your levels. Um, as long as they're talking, I don't know the disclaimer that you guys put out there, but the, the, it will tell you instantaneously or, or within a minute or two <clears throat> what your level is. Mm -hmm. If you're good. Correct. And yeah, and 20 is the threshold we like to use just so that, you know, environmental factors at times will impact the radio uh, connection, so things like fog or whatever. Um, but the reality is, and, and Jason's right, that, uh, you know, you don't have to be afraid of a low number, but there's different kinds of low numbers. There's low numbers where you're standing there and it's 
and it's 12 and it's just staying 12 while you're standing there. That, that I would be confident that, yeah, I'm going to put this here and it's probably going to work. But there, there, you'll get some areas where, because radio frequency stuff is sort of a little bit like magic, right? So you'll stand there and you'll see that, you know, it's 14. Oh, it's gone. It's not connected at all. Okay, it's 2, it's 6, it's 18. And if it's doing that, then, yeah, I don't like leaving cameras in that type of environment because, to me, it feels like it's just, it's just not stable enough, right, to where it's going to maintain that connection. But if I'm standing there and, and it is 12 and it's 12, 14, 12, 14, yeah, that, that's probably okay. You know, it's, it's not, it's not going to be a problem because it's got a stable connection. And the biggest thing, if you, okay, you have 14 or 20 right now, a month from now you might be at 35 and then in November you're going to be at 68 or, or higher. It, <clears throat> there's, we talk about channels. We talk, uh, if you know anything about radio signal, the link system has to be on the correct channel. You locate, you have, you can name your cameras, location one, two, three. Obviously, the home is probably going to be one, <clears throat> so on and so forth. And this is all laid out for everybody listening. Channel five. Everything's on channel five on that particular link system so that they can talk to each other. That's how we're getting our levels. Levels are telling you what the radio signal is from the remote to the remote to the home, so on and so forth. I want to I want to pick your guys. Okay, I want this podcast to be a little bit different. As far as your setups, there's there's thousands of ways to to place these on your farm, you know. Some locations we can have mineral licks, uh check your regulations. Some guys, you know, in other states they can have a bait. Uh you go down south, that's basically how they hunt, so they're going to have a bait station. <clears throat> Give me some of your guys' tips and tricks. I got my, I bought my cutting link system. I got my account, everything set up. I'm going to work now. I'm, I'm setting on my farm. Do you, are you running a wagon wheel setup where you can or wheel system or do you guys run like a long chain? What, what have you guys seen be the best? Uh, Dan, you go first and then Jason. Yeah, I uh, encourage folks to run more of a wheel type scenario where the home is the uh, center hub, right? Um, just so that we can minimize the, uh, number of links from the cameras going out away from it. Um, uh, not that they, they'll work like that. It's just more efficient. You're going to get things faster and use less battery power. Um, but you know, I preface that with a big asterisk that says, Hey, most important is that that cellular home has got to have a good connection, right? Because the system's not going to send anything if the cellular home uh, doesn't have a good connection. And so as he pointed out, you know, you start with the cell home, you get it in a great spot, wherever that is, and then you build your network accordingly. And, you know, but if you can do a wheel, I, uh, I would encourage guys to do that. Uh, I think they'll see a little bit better performance and, you know, it's, it, you know, they get concerned about that because they're thinking, you know, well, what if there's a problem? Well, if they, if they do the system right, there should not be a problem. And now they're not, you know, intruding. They're not going to the camera. They're just letting the, the system do its job, which is send those pictures. And, uh, you know, that's how I set up all my networks. Um, so I, I seem to have the best results like that. Jason, what do you do? I know you have a little bit of a funky farm layout, yeah. but... So I guess to me, it's, you know, you just got to work with the train you have. Where I hunt, there is, it's 160 acres, but they're 40 acre parcel stacks. So I have a long, skinny, and it's all like levels goes uphill the whole way till you get to about the third 40 and then it starts going down a little bit in the back. So what... I mean, basically the same principle. I run my cell home pretty much dead in the middle of the property, and then I just built off of that both ways. Mm -hmm. And then, like, on your – so you have a pretty drastic hill, mountain, whatever you want to say. You have a camera on base one down in the bottom and then up on top so they can link. You're not trying to shoot through the hill. Nope. So basically I've built food plots – throughout the property too and I kind of planned it all out to where so I got a food plot we'll say about halfway up the first 40 there's a camera on that 
Well, there's a pretty steep hill right from that food plot up to my next food plot, but right on the edge of that next flat spot, I've got a food plot, I've got a camera. Mm -hmm. So those two link to each other. And then from that one has the ability to go right to my cell home. And then going up the hills, kind of the same situation from the cell home. Gotcha. Now, early season tactics, um, we have a funny state here in Minnesota about what you can do with mineral and what you can do with, you know, obviously you can't bait, but putting out, if we've, we've had some dealings with that. So do you guys have anything uh, right now, you know, trying to, are you putting things, let's talk about early season camera placement and what you're putting it over. And then as we get into pre-rut, scrapes mock scrapes you know what are you what are you guys seeing dan what do you do obviously you're are you changing your cameras throughout the year yeah i would say that uh camera movement is probably smart um you know one tip i'll give that you know i see a lot of folks i think just by nature say hey i've got a great spot it's my best spot right whether at base or mineral or just a really good spot i'm going to put my cell camera there because that's you know, just seems like a good thing to do. Uh, I would recommend against that, um, you know, put a remote camera there. And the reason why is, is when, when you have Cuddy Link and you have the home, um, there's an FCC regulation. We cannot have the radio and the cell technology on at the same time. And so because of that, um, that cell is going to miss some pictures, not, you know, a lot if your placement's correct, but if you're putting it on a very active, very active location, then you could miss some pictures, right? And we don't want to have people missing out pictures of that big buck that's coming through. So as a whole, like I said, get your cell connectivity. That's most important. And then secondarily, I would say, hey, put your cell uh, in a spot that is going to get some good pictures, but not buried with pictures. I would rather have a remote camera there that that's taking those pictures and then sending them back to the home. That way the user's not missing anything. Um, when it comes to, uh, you know, surveying your deer, I would say right now people are wanting to survey to see, you know, what's on the property. So food sources and things like uh, bait stations or minerals if allowed, those are great places to try to get deer uh, gathered together and start seeing what's, what's available. As we move uh, into the transition where, okay, now we're going to get a little more serious about hunting, then I would say, hey, guys need to move the cameras more into, you know, uh, trails and uh, scrapes, obviously, things where now they're monitoring more the, the deer, the, the box, right, that they're interested in hunting those mature deer. Not that, uh, you know, not that we may not want to shoot those. That's part of the sport, too. But the reality is that most folks are after some kind of a buck, and so you've got to put your cameras in places where they're going to be more frequent uh, at times of day when you might actually have a, a chance to cross paths with them. And so I'd shift accordingly. Um, and then when you get late season, you know, most of the time I don't really move the cameras late season. Winter would be different if you're going to keep your cameras all year, but I'd say most people are obviously running the cameras between you know, let's say July or August through November. So that would be how uh, I traditionally would move. I'll move my cameras one time between when I put them out and uh, and then when go time starts to come. And uh, you say most people, except for you two gurus, <laughs> you're going on almost three years, Dan, with one of your cameras. And we're going to get into the accessories that make that. You're, you said you're north of 400 days. Jason on one particular setup. Yep. And we're going to talk about that. But beforehand, one of the greatest, <clears throat> and and I have no problem saying this out loud, one of the greatest sales pitches that I can hit, it's getting more and more popular where more and more people are together on a lease or a farm like we have. I have two brothers and my dad, <clears throat> and we have a younger gentleman, good friend of ours that hunt with us. We say, okay. The, the first thing they look at is, oh, it's a pretty expensive camera and a link system. And I say, well, break it down this. And let's say there's four of you on this lease or four of you on this farm. If you all buy one camera and you set it up, you split the cost. When we talk about sending pictures and emails, there can be 10 of us that get the same exact notification at the same exact time. 
So it, it <clears throat> what I see is it brings guys together, uh, brings hunters and, and women, children, whoever, you may be on it, to where, boom, I get a text that says, Cuddy Link, you know, if I'm sending every three hours or 10 hours or once a day, and we'll talk about that as well. And then all of a sudden the texts go in our, we have a group text going, oh my gosh, stickers showed up or, you know, the big 13 wide loads over there, you know, how it's going. I think it is such a unique aspect of being able to share everything. It's not one person who may or may not want to share that they've seen the big 180 or, you know, a piebald deer or whatever it may be. Everybody can experience it and everybody can go in and they're going, you're going to get your money's worth in the long run. This is a system that's going to work for a long, long time. You guys agree? I agree. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, you hit a really good point when you look at, uh, you know, years ago when, when you would have someone would pull the card, that was one person pulling the card, taking them home, pulling the images off the cards. Now they had to figure out how to show their buddy, right? Did they email them? Did they, you know, hey, we had to get together on Friday night and you could look at them on my computer or what? Can you, it was kind of a pain, right? And yeah. so inadvertently, I think some of the guys, never got to see the pictures probably, or, you know, and if they did see them, it was kind of after the fact, right? And right. so, yeah, there was something cool, but it was after the fact. The ability to get them all simultaneously at the same time, to your point, uh, you know, creates a lot of excitement. Man, did you see that cool deer? Oh man, look at that buck. Or, Hey, did you see that cool picture at Bobcat or whatever it is? Yeah. And, you know, I'm on a uh, property with a, a few guys as well. And, so just like what you're saying, I mean, we, that's all year long. We're doing that. You know, uh, certainly there's times of year where there's less exciting pictures, but the reality is that a good chunk of the year, it's always something you never know what's going to show up, what might be cool. And it's just fun. I mean, that's, that's just plain fun. And we, we, we work a lot with our neighbors. Um, when you talk like quality deer management and trying to get everybody on board, not to shoot, and I know that we're dabbling into the whole trophy deal, blah, 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 blah. Let's face it. You want to shoot the biggest animal you can, unless you're strictly a meat hunter. Well, then you can even target a doe. But, like, we work with my neighbor uh, up there on one of the farms we were talking about, and we'll share pictures. Now, he's not on my link system, and I'm not on his, but we dissect it and say, hey, have you seen, you know, have you seen this deer? I haven't seen him for a couple of weeks. Oh, yeah, he moved over here. He's on my dad's farm. I, I got him last night. So you now our network is expanding section by section. And it's like you said before, and I love this word, it is a tool that you can use. It's not going to be a for sure deal, but you can monitor you if you're intensively harvesting or if you want to get numbers or if you're strictly a target, you know, target animal. You can utilize this to be a better hunter. Now, I want to talk a lot more about accessories, but... I'm going to share a story, two of them. We started the Cuddy Link system three years ago. On the farm that we're talking about, there was a buck that we called Blades. He showed up in Velvet. He stayed there through Velvet, which doesn't happen very often on a small parcel, 300 acres, but he was there. Come into season, and it was October 19th, and then October 20th, and October 21st, and then 22nd, 5 o'clock. That deer broke from the bachelor group and he was in this food plot right around that magical time. And we used it as a tool because <clears throat> we could go back on our HuntWise app or Onyx and we could tell what the wind was on that night, where he, where he approached the field on the northwest wind, the south wind. And it was one sit. My brother went in, shot him. Uh, awesome, awesome deer, 163-inch deer. It was great. And I will sit here and tell you over and over again it's because we used the tool now the deer i shot last year wide load we had a podcast i talked about him same thing hadn't seen him he wasn't there in velvet we didn't even know that this deer existed until when hard horned it was october 5th and october 3rd we got a picture october 4th we got a picture we have not been on this farm we had not been to the food plot we have not been back there since august went in got my first shot at him used it as a tool are you guys utilizing the same thing are you predicting your hunts let's say jason you got three days off which we don't get but <laughs> you are you setting up 
I mean, obviously you're not just picking the wind, but you're kind of monitoring what's going on with your deer herd. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, I have my camera spread out pretty well around my food plots and yeah, it's even this time of year, I'm kind of, you know, adjusting my cameras a little bit. I have one very nice buck that's been coming in and I'm kind of moving my moved a few I have a few cameras that are always I always have the ability they're not on anything real specific Mm -hmm. that I use and I'm kind of tracing him back to where he's popping into a food plot and I had no idea I know which way he's coming in Mm -hmm. but beyond that I mean he has a hundred different ways he could be coming in from that east side he could be coming in from the southeast there's a bedding area down there northeast there's a bedding area up there so gotcha. I'm kind of walking the cameras back, kind of figuring out exactly. I actually have a really good idea where he's coming from now. And using that as a tool. Yeah. <clears throat> Dan, you, uh, we don't have to say how big the deer was last, was it two years ago or last year? Um, where Did you have him in sync? I mean, it, don't get me wrong, disclaimer here, you're not going to ever beat a deer. But did you have intel that you were working on? Yeah, you know what, uh, on that particular property they were referencing us two years ago, the, uh, it's really hard to get to. Uh, you know, we're going to educate everything that is there uh, going in if we're not really careful. And so, um, you know, the way that we approach that is now, and it's improved our, our success rate, is, okay, we put the cameras out, we don't go back there at all. We just do not go back there anymore until we start to see the deer movement pick up. And, you know, once we see that, okay, the bucks are on the move, all right, now we're going to have to take some risk and we'll have to go in carefully. And, you know, we've got a couple of routes that we take that are, you know, less obtrusive and try to get into a stand. And uh, in that year that, uh, that we had the luck, uh, you know, my friend and, and his son and I, both, all three of us were hunting back there. Uh, and all three of us harvested a deer, uh, but we went in in stages because he had, my friend has a lot more vacation time than I do this time of year. And, uh, so as soon as he saw the deer were active, he went in and immediately shot a buck, uh, a very nice buck right off the bat. They, they kind of toned down a little, they got active again. His son went in, he shot a buck. Um, I was on the tail end. I thought I had run out of time, but thankfully they, they did get active one more time and, uh, you know, I got in there and it tailed off. Like the activity wasn't as high as it had been, but enough so that, uh, you know, I was able to harvest a, a really nice buck and, and he was, you know, in the area that, that we thought he was in because we had seen multiple pictures. And so, um, you know, you, you have to take and interpret the data. And I think both of you guys have referenced that. I mean, you're getting these pictures, it doesn't, the camera is not telling you, Hey, go shoot this deer right here on this day at this time. You have to look at the conditions, whether it's the wind and the, the temperature or, or the activity level or whatever it is, that's an indicator and then apply that. But if you do that, uh, this definitely can help you, uh, increase your odds of success. And that leads us down <clears throat> a pretty cool little road right here, because you said, the key sentence in that that I'm going to take out is you guys did not go back there. You set your cameras and then you waited. <clears throat> With Cuddyback, we have what we call power. I, I call it a power station, but it's a, a external battery pack. Another awesome feature that I've incorporated is the solar panel rechargeable batteries. So earlier we talked, Dan has a camera, <clears throat> if he's doing it for R&D or if you're just just doing it because you can you're almost we said three years is that right almost three years yeah the uh, camera is like 862 days that it's been in its spot uh, my cellular camera on one property and i've not changed the battery obviously it's in good sun and it's staying charged and running away a lot of pictures that camera is uh in the northern part of wisconsin where last winter it would have been you know 28 below a few days um, and it's just chugging along, continuing to set, which is awesome. So, Jason, talk a little bit about, so we have an external battery pack. Obviously, every camera has batteries, okay? Mm-hmm. And then you can add to this. So talk a little bit about the 
the battery pack, the external battery pack that we can put in place. You can hook it actually on the back of the camera and then hang it on the same tree. How it works, what it's doing, and the, the longevity of the battery life. So your typical camera comes four D cell batteries. You have the option to go with a six cell external battery pack, like you said, that you hang on the back of the tree. There's also an option now for a, I believe it's 12. So depending on the camera, the G cameras, a little bit more, it seems to me in my experience, the G cameras, a little bit more power, mm-hmm. power uh, usage with the Gs, but you also have a lot more flash power. Um, J cameras on there for, uh, you know, if it all comes down to how many pictures you're taking to mm-hmm. and how much you're having pictures sent. But, oh, I would say, let's say I get between 100 and 150 days on the J camera mm-hmm. with four D cells in it. Well, if I add six, I'm, I could be looking at 250 to 300 days off of that. Possibly depending. I mean, you know, once we get into winter, all bets are off. Right. Our winters are very harsh on the batteries. And then if you add the 12, but I think ideally in, if you have the sunlight, I think the solar option is to me the best way to go. I've had just four brand X D cell batteries sitting in my cell camera. Mm -hmm. And since the new, solar panel with the lithium battery pack in it. I I haven't had to go near that camera for since I hooked that system up to it. So so the <clears throat> external battery, I I <clears throat> I would say if you want to be less intrusive, if you don't want to be right in the heart of prime time, uh, I don't want to even say that, the season, the, mm-hmm. and you don't want to have oh man, batteries are got. Can one of you guys run out there? Or can I get out there and do it? It's very, very minimal cost to get in a, a, a battery pack to yeah. go with it or the solar. Um, Dan, it, are, what kind of batteries are we running? What do you guys recommend? Does it matter? Do guys need to go out and spend a ton of money on the Energizer Lithium or is a standard Duracell or, and I don't even care, Rayovac, whatever the, whatever the brand is. What do you guys recommend? Uh, we actually see the best performance with the regular Rayovac high energy. And, you know, I'm not uh, here to knock any of the battery guys. So user, you know, if they've got access to a different brand, that's cool. You know, it's all great. The Rayovac, Rayovac owned by Energizer, right? So um, they tend to be the cheapest battery, but they also tend to last the longest. And so, you know, and I think uh, what you guys are talking about, you know, if you have a camera and you put the external pack on it, I'm confident that since the majority of the folks run their cameras for a limited time frame, right? So maybe they put them out in July and they pull them down in December, or maybe they put them out in August and pull them in January, you know, some kind of time frame is like that. Um, if they run the 4D camera and they put the 6D battery back on it, they're going to get through the season, you know, and, and for me personally, because I'm running my cameras all year, partially because they're fun, partially because we're, you know, I need to do testing or whatever the case may be. If I can get to where I'm changing my battery maximum two times a year, maybe once a year in a lot of scenarios, um, that's awesome. And, and as he pointed out, you know, if I can get solar because I'm going to get sun, then I'm going to use solar because now I can literally get to where I'm not changing batteries, right? As I pointed out, mine's been running almost three years now. And so, um, you know, the, the difference is that if, you know, if you're going to put the camera in timber, which obviously us guys in Wisconsin and Minnesota, we've got a lot of places that have timber, then you're going to have to use a battery pack, right? Because you're not going to get enough sun for the camera. Solar panel means it's got to have some fun. So, but if you're on a field edge or a food plot, or if you're down south where you've got more more open areas that tend to be available, then the solar is a super option because you can literally get to where you have no maintenance on the camera, even if you leave it out all year long. Love it. Um, dab a little bit. SD cards. <clears throat> is there a particular size? Uh, obviously, we can clear the queue or we can erase files. Uh, we can go in there and do that on our 
soon to be app or or on the your login do you guys run a particular as it eight gig 64 gig 32 16 do you does it matter i just run 16s yeah dan do you yeah you can't uh we can only go up to a 32 can't use anything larger than a 32 and i would say that just because of all the gaming technology that people are doing out there that it's hard these days to find either a, anything less than a 16 or a 32. So pretty much I buy all 16 or 32s. That's a lot of pictures on those cameras. So I know that I can run all season without even having to worry about deleting, uh, deleting uh, any images off the card. Uh, as you said, we can do that remotely, which I think is fairly impressive considering we're not only uh, deleting the images off of a cell camera, but we can do it via the radio network down to the remote camera. Um, but yeah, that I would say, you know, it's hard to find, you know, the only recommendation I would tell you is that sometimes people forget that, you know, if you have a X brand camera, that camera is talking like German and our camera is talking like French. And so you can't, you really shouldn't mix the cards unless you reformat them. So as long as you take the card on your computer and reformat the card, then you can move it around. So if you've got an older eight or whatever you might have, certainly they can use them. Um, but yeah, for buying new, it seems like uh, you can't hardly find anything less than a 16 anymore. Is there any, you know, with your, say like your cell phone, once you start getting towards the end of your memory capacity, it seems like your phone slows down. Is, have you ever seen any, let's say, like I run 16 gig cards, about 15,000, almost 16,000 pictures per card it would hold if I let them go. I always erase them after about 1,500, but is there any chance of a, a slowdown or like a, once you got up to close to capacity, say you just kind of forgot about it, you had about 14,000 pictures on there. Have you ever seen any chance of things slowing down and not working properly because there's so many pictures on that card? Um, no, and I can't say that I, I personally, I'd like you, I don't get to that point. Uh, you know, we get a daily report uh, for our camera, plus I can look at an online report on the, on the portal and when we have the app, it'll also have the online report. So because of that, every day that stuff is kind of in your face, right? I take a quick look. I don't spend a lot of time on it, but I'll take a quick look. Yeah, everything looks fine. Great. I'm not worried about it. If I saw something there that looked out of sorts, I'd maybe dig into it a little bit more or monitor it a little closer for a few days and make sure I'm good. Um, you know, we do have quite a few tools that are available to the user to try and fine tune their system. Um, but the, you know, I, I have seen, you know, guys get really close, right? Then they can start to see a little bit of something funky that doesn't seem right. And they go in, delete the, delete the uh, card and clear out the space. And now boom, everything's back to working totally fine again. Um, so I would say you don't want to get too close to that threshold. I think if you're down, you know, let's say you still have 10% is probably okay, but you start maybe getting closer to that. I think, you know, now you're starting, you don't really know what, you know, how many images going to push you over. I would, I would say I wouldn't want to get to that, that point. Yeah. Not worth the risk. That's why I had about 1500 IRAs. <laughs> yeah. So let's talk just a little bit. There's two more things that I want to discuss and then we'll cut you loose, Dan. I promise. <clears throat> First thing is having the ability to go in and name your cameras uh, so that when you get a picture of, the lucky buck or whatever it may be, <clears throat> you know, that he's on Abby stand or, or uh, the next day, you know, obviously you can physically look at the terrain behind and see where you're at. But when you're running 12 cameras and you're getting <clears throat> that much Intel, it's nice to have them named I'm getting a phone call here, but I got ignored. <laughs> I'm not swearing. I promise. Also, you can change if you want to get pictures every three hours. Uh, Dan, can you can you explain a little bit of how that system works to where we're we early season? Obviously, you send it once a day or twice a day or in an hour. How does that all work, Dan? Yeah, so a couple things. Uh, one, you talked about the labeling of the camera, and uh, so you can type on the camera itself and put a name. You know, so let's say uh, you know we have Dan Swamp or whatever. I want to name 
spot, and I do that, and I, it, it surprises me sometimes that guys don't utilize that functionality. Um, you know, I'm looking, you know, as you said, if you've got a big network, I don't know why you want to have just camera two labeled on it and not give yourself some idea, a better idea of where that camera is. Um, I've seen guys use GPS coordinates. I've seen guys, you know, come up with some other label system, and that's cool. Um, but I definitely label all my pictures to help uh, identify clearly where, where it's coming from. Um, it, regarding the sending rate, the cameras have the ability to send either by the number of pictures or by a time setting. I would say the majority of the folks are using time setting, um, you know, as you pointed out, maybe in the slower season where I'm not hunting, uh, we're using six hours or 12 hours where when it gets to that number of pictures, it'll send it. Um, when guys get into the system, I can tell you that most of the guys are using the one hour or the two hour. Uh, so every hour the camera goes in and sends what, what pictures it has available from it and the remotes. Um, you can do it, like I said, by number of pictures. The only thing I would caution is that if you're running a network, then don't choose batch one or two because batch one or two means your cell camera is just never going to let those remotes have a chance to send. So I would say if you're going to run batch, run either batch five or higher. I prefer 10. That way the other remote cameras have the ability to send their pictures back to the home and the user is going to get all the pictures from all the cameras. Um, you know, batch one or two is fine if you're running a standalone cell unit then that's no problem, but I wouldn't do that in a network of cameras. And I, I think a lot of consumers and listeners, they don't realize that you can change all that mm -hmm. and you have that functionability. Uh, I think it's ideal. I think it's one of the coolest aspects of, I mean, there's so many things in this link system that you can do. That's just another awesome feature. I know, Jason, you wanted to talk about two options that we can use this uh, system for you want to dabble you and Dan dabble a little bit about the primetime option and the surveillance option and how that all works. Yeah. I've only just played around with it. I the surveillance option. I know people who have, they want the road going into their property. They put a camera pointing at the road mm -hmm. and there's a surveillance option. I believe it puts the pictures in a priority to where after it takes them, it will send those pictures as a priority the prime time i've only played around a little bit with i think it's maybe newer with one of the newer firmware updates not 100 percent sure but i've i've played around with it set my cameras to it kind of checking it out but i'd like to talk to the man who knows a little bit more about it here and see what he has to say about it yeah so let's talk uh, the priority mode like you said uh, let's say i've got a 10 camera network one of the cameras is on my cabin and I want to make sure that if someone's messing around with my cabin, I get the picture as fast as I can. So I can go in and uh, set that camera to priority. And what'll happen is when it takes a picture, it'll go ahead and notify the home, send it over. And I'll get that, uh, that image faster. Um, still not instantaneous, but, uh, you know, the only way to get instantaneous would be to have all cameras, all cell plans on every camera. But mm -hmm. in our system, you can get that picture very quickly by running the priority option. Um, you know, if you had a couple, if you have a 10, 10 camera network or a 20 camera network, you probably can get by with having two or three cameras in priority. So, you know, monitoring a gate or a cabin, uh, maybe if you had a deer that was in a very small range, you could put those cameras on priority to try to hone in on that, but you can't take 20 cameras and put them all on priority because then they're all running at the same pace that they were before. So mm -hmm. doesn't do you any good. Um, when it comes to prime time, you know, we've always had the time lapse, meaning that we could take pictures without uh, heat or motion. And that was a feature that was brought out to kind of be able to put a camera over a field it on time lapse and then maybe you'd see deer out further than the camera could sense but now you knew that okay the deer are down in the right corner i'm going to move my cameras way down there where i'll pick up images of them you know coming in or going out or however you know you want to do that prime time kind of takes that to another level in that when we look at bucks and or 
animals in, in fields, they tend to be there early and late, right, for feeding purposes. Um, and so it is a setting that allows us to run for anywhere from the first hour to the first three hours of the day, and then the last hour or last three hours of the day or whatever in between there. And so same thing, it's going to take pictures based on uh, a time setting, not on heater motion. So uh, uh, I've seen quite a few guys use it for turkey hunting where they don't know where the birds are actually coming from yet. They'll put it on the field. They'll have it run for the first three hours of the day, taking a picture every 10 minutes. And then that'll help them pinpoint down to, okay, the birds are coming in from the right. They're going over to the left. Okay, great. I'll move my cameras down there. Uh, to where I can actually, you know, get a, a closer picture of these birds and zero in on where they're coming from. Um, it, you know, it's just the mentality. The camera sets it automatically based on the daylight. Uh, so in the morning, it figures out when the sun's coming up, and then it knows to take the pictures for the first one hour, two hour, three hours. And the same thing at the end of the day. It knows when it goes into night mode, and now it's, it's going to take the last, one hour, two hour, three hours of the day in whatever time increment you want. Um, we'll continue to enhance prime time. There's some things we're working on that next year it'll do a couple more things. Um, but it is just another tool, a way to run your cameras that uh, can help you give more recognizance on what's happening in the, in the hunting area that you're doing. Yeah. The, so the time-lapse feature I actually use a little bit in the winter. Just, I mean, it's kind of a nice thing on the cameras. When we have a big snowstorm coming, I'll switch my some of my or one of my particular cameras that can see really well. Yeah. I'll switch it to time lapse and then I get pictures of that snowstorm coming watching the snow pile. <laughs> I don't know. It's, it's just fun, cool. something fun to do. Dan, one thing that we do with the Archery Country podcast, and we have an awesome media team, Desiree sends out a uh, social media questionnaire where listeners can send in a couple of questions and then we we pick the brain of the pro and you're the pro. So if you don't mind, I just, I mean, we narrowed it down to two really brief questions. I know the answers to one of them. Uh, if you don't mind answering. Okay. Yeah, no problem. All right. First question, uh, those listeners in Southern Minnesota, he says on my cell camp, because it's a cellular network, do I have to worry about setting the time? And when we have that magical, stupid, thing that happens around november 5th or 7th and we fall back do the cameras automatically switch the time or do i have to go in and do that great question so uh last year when we brought out a new firmware uh, which we refer to as gen 2 which the current version of that is version 8.3 um that's the piece that allowed us to expand from 16 cameras on a network to 24 cameras on a network. That's also the firmware that allowed us to have remote access into the cameras. So if a user's on version seven or earlier, they're not going to have that capability. So I would highly recommend users get on to version 8.3. The additional thing that version eight did was if I set my cellular camera, date and time, it will sync all the remotes accordingly. Now, down the road, would we like to get to where even the cell camera would set itself? Yes, but we're not there yet. So the user has to set the date and time on the cell unit, and if they're on version 8, 8.3, then it will sync the remotes uh, date and time accordingly. Um, in regards to the daylight savings time, that is a setting. Uh, it's by default, it's on, and so when in the on mode, it will adjust the time for you automatically on all the cameras. So, um, you know, we're trying to make it easy so that hopefully people have the right date, the right time on the cameras all the time. Uh, we'll continue to look at that. But, yeah, I think we've uh, enhanced that and uh, made it as easy as we can at the moment. Phenomenal answer. And date and time is a big, big issue i mean you have to you can't be off by two hours and, and think you're going to be okay uh you you kind of already talked about it the second question is from a listener that's uh midwest minnesota <clears throat> Ottertail county is where it was sent in he wants to know he has a six camera system 
he says, kudos to Cuddy Lincoln. Cuddy back. I appreciate everything. A uh, little concerned about firmware update. Do I have to take my 2020 systems? He says J and G and what he has on there. Uh, does Is he every year updating the firmware? Um, not necessarily every year. Uh, obviously, as we continue to bring out enhancements, um, but, you know, the user doesn't always have to do that. If they look at, you know, we're trying to educate on what's new, and if they don't want to participate, that's okay. Um, you know, the reality is, and, and when I, before I was at Cuddyback, and I had some cameras, and I'd hear firmware update, I'd think, oh, man, it sounds bad. <laughs> and uh, after coming to Cuddyback and really getting involved with the firmware update, it is so easy that I'm almost, you know, it's, it's like anything new, right? It scares you at first. But the reality is that it is so easy. It literally takes like 20 seconds to do a camera that I highly encourage users to embrace it. We have videos. We have uh, instructions that we can email. We, you can get on you know, Facebook and, and message us and we'll walk you through it. I would suggest get comfortable with it because it is so simple that afterwards you can be like, really? That was it? That's what I was afraid of? And you know, then there's really no reason not to you know, hey, I'm going to put my cameras out. I'm going to check online. Is there a firmware update? Yes, there is. I'm going to go ahead and put it on the camera. Um, you know, no doubt that we'll continue to look at firmware updates and how can we make that easier for people because, you know, we do understand that it feels daunting to them. You know, when you look at, uh, you go buy a Blu-ray player, you know, it's going to do an update probably. But a lot of those can do it on their own, but not all. And, you know, thus, People are just generally afraid of that kind of stuff. But like I say, it is so easy on the Cuddy Link camera. I'd encourage, we'll help you, whatever it takes. It's just a few buttons, and you're good to go. So let us help you and uh, become an expert in it. Absolutely. And, Jared, if you're listening, which I know you are because you have 555 questions every time we do a podcast, just get on Cuddy Link's website, take an SD card, put it in your computer, download the 8 point three version take that same card put it in your cameras boop 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 it's actually like four buttons i think yeah, is all you got to push much to get to and that. it takes seconds and then do it to all your cameras and then you're good then you get the options that we just talked about and it's the latest and the greatest dan i think this is probably one of the better podcasts we had and i really really encourage people to come in and check it out um not just our stores but you know you can get on cuddy links cuddy backs website uh, we're going to have a bunch of links to this podcast. With We're going to throw some of your videos on there. And I just want to say thank you for your knowledge and what you guys do. It's been, uh, been a blessing to have you on. Well, gentlemen, I appreciate the time. It's a great conversation. Uh, more than happy to come back down the road or more than happy to help answer questions that people send in. So, you know, we love the opportunity. You guys are a great partner of ours. And, uh, you know, I, I really appreciate getting the opportunity to talk to everybody. Absolutely. Jason, I appreciate it, bud. Thank I know you. we'll be sharing uh, pictures. We're not going to have Probably uh, every day. We're not going to have <laughs> a GPS coordinates on there. If you, if you do name your camera with a GPS coordinates, put that on social media for us. Oh, <laughs> just yeah, so yeah. We can <laughs> but on behalf of everybody at Archery Country Podcast, we appreciate you guys. We'll see you on down the road. Thank you for listening to Archery Country Podcast. 